Welcome to the Talking Recruitment Podcast from the REC. Every week we look at all the latest insights, perspectives and experiences from across our diverse recruitment industry. Hello everyone and welcome to this special video edition of the REC uh, podcast, Talking Recruitment. I'm delighted to uh, join you by video today. Lots going on at the REC this August. Maybe you've already dipped in on our legal work on the Supreme Court judgment around Harper Trust versus Brazel. Really important holiday pay. Uh, changes there that you need to be across is a great uh, webinar that we ran recently it'll be available on the website too also of course looking forward uh, to a new prime minister at the beginning of September and uh, potentially an emergency budget already some whisperings about taxation for contractors there so we're working hard at that but the big thing that's dominating uh, the scene right now is going from what is a super tight labour market really sky high demand into a much more uncertain period in the autumn and into next year which uh, uh, which is uh, being driven by high inflation, big changes in uh, in our uh, economy and therefore in our jobs market. Maybe a little less concerning than in, than in previous times because the labour market is just so tight. But certainly a time for recruitment business owners and leaders to be thinking about how we use the good year we've had so far to prepare for what is to come. And who better to do that with than our good friend Greg Savage, who's joining me on the pod today. Greg, welcome to our experimental video podcast. Thank you, Neil. It's wonderful to see you. And it's great to be here at the REC offices with uh, my old friends. I shouldn't say old, but uh, Grishman and others. Seeing everybody again. First time in three years, Neil. Can you believe it? That's I, I can. Yeah, the, the, we did a tour in Glasgow and Manchester and London back in 19. And uh, it seems like yesterday, but also an eon ago. And of course, the reason uh, you're here is that we're doing an in-person session on August the 31st, which is going to be fantastic. Looking into some of the things that we're uh, digging into today. And if people want to come and join Greg and me on the 31st, you can book onto that event at rec.uk.com forward slash events. It's one of the featured events on the page. But Greg, why don't we start with uh, a little exploration of you know where do we think we are right now you know high demand shortages in lots of industries and uh, as recruiters we're more in demand than ever uh, but of course uh, the job itself um, I was talking to an HR director uh, in preparation for our conference back in June and he said the one thing I don't want recruiters to tell me is oh the market's tight it's also difficult I want them to solve my problems so how, how are you seeing recruitment in this uh, market because I think in Australia you're also seeing a similar trend. Very similar. It's actually, I think, Neil, and I wonder if you agree, a very complex, contradictory cocktail of different things happening at the same time. You know, we've got high inflation, um, we've got high s- staff shortages, and um, there's talk of recession all the time, but recruiters can't find staff. So it's a, it, it, it's. We have to be very careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So there is an opportunity still to do very well. I'm talking about agency recruiters now. Um, and, and we've got to keep doing certain things to make that happen. But it's also a time to be nimble and plan for a different environment. Um, I heard the phrase a gray swan, which uh, apparently is an event you know is coming. You just don't know when. Yeah, That's a gray swan, apparently. And I liked it because we are going to have a downturn, Neil. I think we know that. But but if I knew when, I'd probably be shorting the stock market instead of chatting to you. Um, we don't know when and we don't know how severe. Because it's quite possible that a um, modest downturn will actually help the supply and demand of labour. 
I, I will say that there, I think there are some people, and you know that as soon as I start talking about the economy rather than recruitment, I get out of my death. But I, st- I think there are some people who feel that we are insulated against a recession because of the talent shortage. And I think that would be an error. Yeah. It, it can change very quickly. And when um, we've got high inflation, et cetera, but I mean, I'll give you one example of something I've seen happening. And I, I was with a client in the UK, this, in London this morning, and, and they told me the same thing. Candidates will all agree have been in high demand. As a result, candidates' confidence has been very high. Uh, candidates have, have taken the view, well, if that job's not perfect, I won't take it. And if that job doesn't work out, I'll jump and get another one. Um, I'm generalizing, but candidates have had high confidence, and, and, and so they should. But we've seen in Australia, and I'm told in the UK it's happening too, that candidates are pulling out, Neil, of the process mid-process. So Mm -hmm. they're in second interview, it's all going well, and suddenly they're saying, you know what? My mortgage has gone up, inflation's high. Every time I switch on the news, someone's talking about a recession. I think I might stay where, where I am. So the interesting thing is the first sign, to my mind, that something is definitely in the winds is when candidates start to lose confidence. Because if those candidates are losing confidence with a job hunt, you can also assume they're going to be pulling in their horns on spending, which yep. means it's going to affect companies' revenues, which means that could be the beginning. That's when I get out of my debt because I'm not an economist. But I, I, I would say we've got to be very careful about assuming that recruitment is totally insulated. It certainly is protected a little by the, the labour shortage. But if we went into a 2008-2009 scenario, um, there will be nowhere to hide for recruitment companies unless you're prepared, Neil. That is really interesting, Greg, because anecdotally, I have heard exactly the same thing. I wasn't, so I, I went to Denmark for a couple of weeks th- uh, this summer, came back uh, about 10 days ago. Um, and before I went away, at the end of July, wasn't hearing any of this about where candidates are. Uh, it was all, it was still all about candidates in demand, wages rising um big expectations since i've come back i three or four major yes. company chief executives have said to me we don't have a problem with the clients actually clients are still you know the market's still improving it's not yeah. improving the way it was in uh march april may but yeah that is that was always completely unsustainable but now we're starting to see candidates change their thinking um and i think you're right it is a it's a confidence point and it puts a real premium on kind of how you're running your business, how you're dealing with candidates, how you're putting your hands around them and helping them uh, navigate the process, doesn't it? Because I think you talked talked a little bit just then about uh, the relationships you have and the opportunities Mm. that still exist for those businesses who prepare in the right way. And I'd like to talk to you in a minute about clients and client Mm. relationships going into a period like this. But just for candidates... What what does that mean? For, what does that picture that you've just painted mean for companies who are needing to think about candidate retention through processes, especially as, of course, processes might lengthen slightly through the autumn as clients also begin to think, let's just be absolutely sure before we make a decision? Yeah, I'm fascinated to hear your anecdotes about going away and coming back and finding that some of your contacts or senior people were talking about it. I'm on the board of 16 recruitment companies, which means I spend my time inside. It's a very privileged position because I get to hear so much and learn so much. And I heard that story about candidates pulling out of the process from one client. And 
I spoke to all my other clients in board meetings over the following month, and they were saying, no, that's not happening, especially my IT clients. They were saying, I'm on the board of three different IT companies. And they were saying, no, that's not going to happen. Just before I came away in the last round of meetings I went on, they were all, pretty much all, reporting that it had, and they were shocked that that it had happened. And so to answer your question, I think we're going to talk about clients in a moment, but I think I think it means that recruiters have got to double down on engagement and communication and understanding candidates' motivation and partnering with them in the job search, which I think has not happened as much as it should have because recruiters found themselves in a position if they could find a candidate and get that person in front of three clients, the chances of making a placement were kind of good. Yeah. And so it was speed. It was a bit more than that. I shouldn't be so harsh, but it was definitely speed. It was covering the market. Candidates made a decision to move. I've just got to have enough um, balls in the air. I'm mixing my metaphors, I'm quite sure, for one of them to fall for me. Yeah. But now I think You've got to get much closer to the candidate and work with them on their true motivations to change jobs because candidates are going to the process sincerely, but it only takes a call from dad to say, I think there's a recession coming or your mortgage. In Australia, they said that that um, in Sydney, the average mortgage from a monthly mortgage for a mortgage holder has gone up $1,200 per month since earlier this year. Right. Now, the average salary in Australia is 65, 70,000. So when you're getting, and you're taxed 40, uh, 20,000 of that. So when you're getting up $1,200 a month, you are going to be very nervous about expenditure. You're going to be nervous about changing your job. So recruiters have got to get much closer to what people's real motivations are. If it was for a few extra dollars, maybe those are the people more likely to pull out of the process because the risk reward scenario is not big enough. But if it was for something much more fundamental like work from home, cultural issues or, you know, other things that people could say, they're not sustainable for me long term, I need to move. It's understanding that nuance of a person's job search. And a lot of recruiters, to be honest, you know, I've been a recruiter 40 years, so I'm completely in love with that industry, but I also sort of feel I've got the right to criticise it. A lot of recruiters don't get that deep. You know, recruitment's become less engaged or more remote, I should say, because of COVID. But now it's more remote because it suits people to work the way they're working. And, and that is a mistake. And I'm not getting into the debate about work from home or not, because you can get engaged on a video. You can make the phone calls. You can ask the right questions. You, you can be more empathetic. You can dig deeper. That's what I mean by being, getting engaged. So that is a, 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 a influencing skill that a lot of recruiters lack. And we need that at this stage. And we also need it when we come to clients. Does that make sense to you, Neil? Absolutely does. And I think there's uh, there's a lot in there. I, I, I talk a lot about uh, recruitment as a, a digitally enabled people industry, yeah. as in, you know, you've got to have the tech giving you the productivity advantages that the tech bring, but actually your sale is in the value added conversations and the value added conversations are with your candidates and with your clients. And if you look at this environment that we now face, the more risk there is running through the system as in candidate decisions and indeed client decisions, You've got to get close to understanding that prospect because, you know, if I'm just working on a desk and I'm looking at my pipeline, what I don't want to be doing is putting things into my pipeline that won't come through. That's right. Because that undermined me as a professional and it and it means I won't be achieving the kind of numbers I'm looking to give uh, head of desk, give give the MD. And that flows right up through a recruitment firm, yeah. which is what's our realistic plan and how do we. How do we get closer to candidates at a moment like this? And 
I agree, it's absolutely not about in-person versus uh, remote. And the same goes for clients, doesn't it? Because clients, you know, so my one of my kind of stock lines um, on stages this summer is I think about half of the change that the pandemic will kick in in how company structure is has taken place. I think we've got another half to come. I think this prospective recession we're looking at, we'll see we'll see labour demand remain high, but that doesn't mean the same labour demand. Exactly. And I'm hoping that what we'll get is companies thinking seriously about their workforces. And of course, that's a great opportunity for, for recruiters if you can get in there and at the same way, add value. So if we're, yes. thinking, if we're thinking about, okay, we're investing time in our candidates because they're lacking confidence and they, the, the decisions they need to make are perhaps a bit more meaningful than they would make in a, in a universally strong economy. The same is true on the client side, isn't it? Which is we need to get close to understanding where our clients are going to, not where they've been. Yes. It's a very interesting conversation. I'm going to tackle it from two points of view. Um, first of all, the we talk about our industry in terms of clients and candidates. Of course, they are merged. And for us to get closer to our candidates, build trust so they'll take our advice, we actually have to have taken better job orders and have a better understanding of what the client's offering because it's going to be very hard for you to talk a candidate through the wobbles if you don't actually know exactly what the client is all about. I just quickly want to make a, uh, I'm going to answer your question, but I just have to tell you this anecdote. I do a training session in Australia, 40 recruiters in a room, all from the same company, and I said, do any of you interview candidates face-to-face? I wasn't expecting many yeses, but there was 100% no. So I as a passing remark, I said, oh, so you interview them on VC. And there was an awkward silence in the room, Neil. And I've been doing enough of this to know that it meant something. So I turned back and I said, you interview your candidates on Zoom, right? No one said anything. I said, I haven't been able to shut you up for half the day. Now you're quiet. How do you interview your candidates? Long and short of it is they interview their candidates for 10 minutes on the telephone. Now, these are accountants and engineers that they recruit. In 2019, they used to interview in a room face-to-face, looking the person in the eye, asking the right questions. Now it's a 10-minute quick interview to check that what's on their resume is true. There's no questioning and understanding motivation, talking about counter-offers, all the, the real skill of the job of a recruiter. And those same people said to me during the course of that day, oh, our candidates' culture has changed. They're all ghosting us, et cetera. And I said, guys, that's why you don't have any rapport with them. So it's a classic example of how people have made the, the job more superficial and shallower. And on the client side, which you alluded to, it's true, Neil, that there's a lot of recruiters um, who've come into the industry since COVID, maybe they're two years in, they've come into good companies that have a good brand and a good system of acquiring talents. Job orders are coming in the door. They've been good at making the match. I'm not belittling. They're good at the process. But they're very one-sided. They only have can- – there is – there are thousands of recruiters who've never done a client meeting in their lives. They've never done an outreach call in their lives. And my, my you know, you talk about some of the phrases you use. My, my, my phrase at the moment is you need to flex your BD muscle. And the biggest advice I could give to, um, I mean, there's many pieces of advice. And next, uh, when we do this on the 31st, we'll go into it. But is that we need to start to equip our recruiters with the skills to engage with clients better. There is a mindset among some recruiters that, you know, if I've got candidates, clients will listen to me, which is true for now. Yeah. Uh, it's going to change. So what I mean is 
make a list of your top 25 client contacts and go and see them. I know it sounds um, counterintuitive, but go and see them or set up a video call and get to know them better. Um, any clients in your database that you've ever had, you haven't spoken to 100 days, call them. Have an outreach call. Um, we, we have got to understand that when the wheel turns, if you don't have a partnership mentality, a credibility, a relationship, those, those clients will dump you. They, 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 will, they will not engage with you. And not only that, we've got to remember, and people, you know, we, we have had a 10-year golden run apart from COVID in our industry. There's been a boom. People forget that. So, so that means that at least half the recruiters out there have never really been through a recession. They've been through COVID, which was not a recession economically produced. It was down, rapidly up, and supported by the government. So a lot of people are in jobs because the government in both your country and mine supported them. Yep. That won't happen in a recession. And so we, we need to equip people with relationship building skills because uh, when the market turns, Every recruiter in town is going to suddenly have to get on the phone and do some business development. They won't have the skills and clients won't want to talk to them. So it's it's, it's working to get closer to candidates, but it's also engaging on the client side in a much more deliberate and targeted way. And I know it's counterintuitive because a lot of recruiters I say this to, they say, but Greg, you, you don't get it, mate. They say, I'm short of candidates. And I'm like, I know, <laughs> but but just you wait. It's going to change. I don't know when, Neil, but it will change. The two things in response to that that I'm hearing from the most enlightened, the, the, the people I really respect in the REC membership, although I respect all our members. Um, first, first thing is I'm hearing lots of firms talking about choosing their clients. So in an environment where you've got a lot of demand, who are the ones where you have that relationship where you can actually say, hang on, no, not that. Why don't you do this? Because it's better for you. You and, and you can have that conversation. We really understand what their pain points are now, not what they were in 2019 or 2020. And the other thing, and the call out to the interview we did with uh, Tim Cook of Engage uh, back at the conference, which is available in the on the website in the conference playbook for any members who want to catch up with it. Tim had a really great line and it delivered with classic Tim gruffness, which is you don't shortchange your mates. And what he meant by that is if you've got a genuine strategic people planning to, uh, relationship with your client, suddenly you're not as at risk of being commoditized. Whereas if you're in that position that you describe uh, Greg of we're just, it's just about being quick. It's just about filling the seat quickly. It's just about being there. That is an immensely commoditizable service it 100 and it will evaporate and, and and i don't know tim cook but i completely i completely agree with him and um th there is a whole generation of recruiters who are billing a lot now who actually don't have the fully rounded skill set and there's also experienced recruiters who have allowed that part of their portfolio of skills to weaken because the numbers are good and, and we are not an industry famous i think for taking a long-term view. <laughs> That's not our strength, but we must now do that. And, and, and the client, the, the comment you made about selecting your clients, you know, the definition of a good client to me has changed dramatically. I mean, they've got to be a company, um, in my mind, that understands that accessing talent is a collaboration with your third-party recruiter. We've got to move fast. They've got to take our advice. I don't mean like, like a child takes advice from daddy, but I mean, it's a collaborative, communication. We are in it every day and they need to take our advice on salaries and work from home and conditions. And they also need to be a place where 
candidates want to work. So we should really think hard about that because um, I don't think the wheel's going to turn or the pendulum's going to swing so dramatically that, that there's a surplus of candidates in many areas, you know, quickly. I don't think so. I might be wrong. Um, so candidates are still going to be very selective. And the best clients are the ones who do all the things I described, but also have an employer brand where people want to work because we get paid for acceptances, not for offers. You know, I love saying that because it's so obvious, but we've got to work with clients where our candidates will accept. Yeah. And so we've got to be much smarter, much more thoughtful about where we spend our time. And a big part of that, of course, is clients realizing that just coming up with the song sheet, the company song, the 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 uh, EVP, the value mm. proposition uh, of what you think it is, isn't quite that. You've got to, it's that taking advice. You've got to employ the good, I'm an, I, I'm an old school trade union uh, mm. negotiator by uh, by professional background. And it's it's all the employee relations stuff that I was taught when I was studying industrial relations back in 5 BC. It's, the, it's that piece around yeah, you've got what you can offer, but you actually have to understand what they need. And yeah. then the process is that bringing together of the two sides. And we can be the 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 oil of the of the labor market in helping that to happen with good clients. But you need the relationship where a client will, you know, where you understand the client's pain point and you've built up to a position where they'll listen to you in the same way as you need to be, have that relationship with the candidate, where if you say to the candidate, look, you're probably pushing it a bit going at 60k for this mm. their thought is that's good advice from a professional not this guy's trying to lowball me for their client exactly exactly and and you know the way i like to the words i like to use is that if, if you've got a collaborative relationship with a you know, as that guy said you don't shortchange your mates a great recruiter gets him or herself into a position where you actually act as an advocate for your client you are out there advocating and that's that's one of the reasons why our, our industry won't be automated anytime soon, because a machine cannot advocate for a client. It's when I say to a candidate, look, I know you haven't heard of this company, but let me tell you the background. I know the CEO. I've placed three people there and they're thriving. Did you know that this is what they've achieved in, in their German head office? What I'm making it up, but you know, it's all gotta be true, but you can advocate. Then the candidate who was not intending to go for an interview goes for an interview, loves it, gets the job. Only a recruiter can do that. And on the candidate side, we have to get ourselves into the position where we actually act, and very few recruiters do this, as an agent for the candidate in the marketplace, almost like a football agent or a theatrical agent where those people get offered gigs, the top people, anywhere. But the agent represents them to secure the right opportunity for their career. That's the now, to, to get to that position, you have to have transparency, authenticity, build credibility, trust. How are you going to do that, Neil, in a 10-minute phone call? You know, it, it yeah. beggars belief that people are doing stuff like that. It's so transactional. It's so um, superficial. Well, and the most important thing here is we've talked about to be long-term and, and not be short-term. None of this takes away from the fact we've got to make our numbers every week, every month, every year. Um, but it's just about creating space in our thinking about our business or thinking and, and you can think about your business as someone who works on a desk as a head of a desk or a, uh, the the head of a company or the owner of the company you can think about but it's creating space every week for an hour or so we're just saying are we building towards the kind of client and candidate relationships that we know are going to be sustainable which is why i'm really excited about 
uh, August the 31st. Yeah. Um, uh, where we, I think we're going to have a, a great lively session. We know there's over 100 people coming already. Uh, people can come in, book to come and join us in London at rec.uk.com forward slash events. What are you looking forward to uh, for the for the day, Greg? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, it's it's a pleasure being back in London. It's a city that I absolutely love. The, the energy is, is here. It's three years since I've been here. Started badly when I went to go and watch West Ham play and they lost uh, 2-0. So that wasn't good. But uh, the rest of it's been fabulous. So I'm looking forward to catching up. There's a lot of people coming to this event who've been to my stuff before. I've had a lot of messages saying, see you there. I think it's getting close to 150 now, Neil. It's about 135. Yep. So it's climbing nicely. I'm looking forward to that. But I'm also looking forward to uh, to sharing what I've learned. And I don't mean over the 40 years necessarily, although I've been through 13 recessions. So there's a few lessons there. But it's also what I'm learning from all my current clients and a packages together as a roadmap, which is going to do three things. One is help you maximize your profitability and success in this environment. Prepare yourself for an evolving environment so that you can still be successful and, and stay sustainable. Because, you know, I'll tell you the third thing. And the third thing is, is building value in your company for a possible exit, because at the end of the yeah, day, absolutely. everyone is going to exit. So I'm going to talk about that. But I, 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 just this, just this one point: if, if a downturn comes, the saddest thing of all is that so many owners of recruitment companies will be forced, because 65% of every dollar, every pound spent in a recruitment company is spent on salaries. So if our revenues or gross profit drops by 50%, which it will in a down, in a severe downturn, they only got one lever to pull which is salaries, which means they let people go. That's sad at a human level. But 12, 12 to 18 months later, everyone will be back trying to recruit people again. Yeah, and absolutely. It, 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 it then becomes that crazy situation. So if we can build a company that is resilient enough, sustainable enough, that if a downturn comes, yeah, we might make less profit, the consultants might earn a bit less money, but we can trade through keeping most of our team on board, we will fly when the market picks up instead of going, oh, we went from 30 people to 10. Now we've got to build that whole thing again, which took us five years to do it again. And that that is what most recruitment companies will do. That is what I'm going to talk about preventing because yeah. it will put companies miles ahead if they can do that. We're absolutely on the same page there. We did a lot of work on uh, recruitment pay and team engagement early in the year. A real message from the REC was uh, – you know, the sun is shining in the first half of 2022, but we all think, you know, something's coming. We don't know when it's coming, but something's coming. You don't let your business get away from you in the good times because then you're in a, in a tougher situation when the, uh, when the weather changes. I think many firms have been a bit careful over, over the last few months. Now's the time to be thinking about what the long-term strategy is. Really looking forward to our session on August 31st, Greg. Thanks for doing this today. Uh, looking forward to seeing you uh, yes. both for lunch beforehand and then uh, at the session on the th on the 31st. It's going to be a really great, lively session. And, and just to finish, fantastic to get 150 recruiters in a room together after uh, two, three years where we where, where we haven't done much of that. So I'm really excited for the day. Yeah, look, me too. And I appreciate and I, and I thank both the REC and JobAdder who's sponsoring it for, for helping this come together. Uh, it's I have done one or two events in Australia post-COVID and it's, there's a lot of energy in the room. There's a lot of excitement. People are happy to see each other, to be actually the truth. There's going to be questions and banter and I hope a few laughs, but also um, the serious business of... of um, a plan to navigate through a tricky time.
um, I haven't got all the answers, but uh, I've got a few ideas. So I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to that lunch. It's very difficult to get you to buy a lunch. So I'm very proud of myself. Well, I, I like to um, uh, conform to my national stereotype. We're not going down that road. I'm not making any <laughs> Scottish jokes. <laughs> well, I look forward to the day. Everyone, thanks for joining us on this uh, video podcast. Uh, do come and join us. As I said earlier, you can book onto the session uh, with Greg on August the 31st at rec.uk.com forward slash events. It's one of the featured events on there and i hope to see you there have a great rest of your day whatever you're doing thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed this podcast join me for another episode soon and check out our back catalogue at rec.uk.com to catch up on some other fantastic discussions that are really helpful for recruiters you can also find us on apple podcasts google podcasts and spotify so subscribe to rec podcasts to never miss an episode